You are listening to Digital Digital Get Down, a podcast about random shit that is infrequently <laughs> recorded and so posted. So infrequently. In case you've forgotten our names because it's been months, I'm Heather. I'm Heather. Oh no, I'm Bennett. Sorry. <laughs> You're not supposed to forget your own name. Uh, oh. This is episode 90. Episode 89 was released in late May. It's quarantine. Time isn't real anymore. Uh, I'm with you, bro. I don't know. Uh, one thing hasn't changed, though. What's that? My battery is still dying to record this podcast. Mine's actually almost dead, Have too. we ever recorded a podcast where I've been like, I have plenty of battery, let's keep going. No, babe, but I did I did buy you nice long cords. Yeah, but then I'd have to get up and go reach it. Third host is soundly asleep for now. Knock on wood. Knock on that wood. That was not a sound effect, that was a real knock on. Yeah, we don't do sound is effects here. Is this real here. wood? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if we paid enough for it to be real wood. Mm. Anyways, this is the type of thrilling conversation you can expect from this podcast if you're if this is your. We talk first about time. random pop culture, random political stuff when so inspired or when we feel the need to be inspired. Um, and normally we talk about you know two pieces of medium, usually a book uh, and a TV show or a movie. But since we have been off for three months. I've I've voted that we do a an hour long lightning round more or less. <laughs> uh, if you're a long time listener, uh, you know that occasionally we do these catch up episodes. This will very much be a catch up, right? Ketchup and mustard. Can I make a dad joke? <laughs> no. Uh, my dad was really on the dad jokes today when we talked to him. We had plans to record and be drunk last evening. And then I got. And they were run afoul by. Run. Ouch, too soon. The saddest food poisoning yeah. of all time. I forced my poor wife over here to be a. Well, she doesn't. Not forced to be gluten free, but we're a gluten free vegan household, more or less. Meh, more or less. And the cheese. The cheese haunts us now. I should have just had regular cheese. Yeah. Uh, I'm dairy free for health reasons more than because i care that much about the cows we can get into that at a different time but um we had dairy-free cheese for the pizza that you made with your bread skills that you've honed over yeah i I vowed i would never be a lame person who makes their gets excited about making their own pizza at home it's really good we do a good job with it and you want the the pan the special pan and the for for gluten-free dairy-free pizza it's not bad i've only had one guest over at my house who like refused to eat yeah, they didn't refuse. They were politer than they that. Two they just, bites like, and didn't set it aside. eat the rest yeah. of it. Um, anyways, the cheese was bad. Yeah. The dairy-free, not cheese cheese. Made of water and coconut sick. oil somehow can... Still went uh, The most went amazing rancid. part of the story is that it tasted exactly like blue cheese. Which, if I had just told you I'm trying out this new vegan blue cheese we would have been like (laughs) i need to call those companies and be like listen if you don't steal this bag all the way and shove it into the back of your crisper drawer for like three weeks fucking crispers have there been a bigger (laughs) bullshit thing in all of like home appliances i feel like you couldn't make a good vegan blue cheese if you tried and we accidentally accomplished it in our fridge we turned into cheese makers that was a hamilton reference um are we gonna talk about hamilton today I just added it to the list. Yeah, I have thoughts and feelings. (laughs) Okay. Um, I did want to acknowledge before we go any further that part of the reason that we took some time off. Hiatus, some would call it. We took a hiatus. um, Was not just because we have a baby. Rearing. And and moved house and all that. But a lot of it is because 
I was very conscious of us taking up space uh, in this moment in the world. We are very clearly, clearly, maybe not clearly, but we are two white people. Mm-hmm. Um, we are two people with white privilege, class privilege, um, cisgendered privilege. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the privileges you could want. <laughs> not right? all the privileges, but <laughs> we all. are very lucky and very privileged and um, hashtag blessed. And it did not feel right for us to take up space, like talking about our stupid pop culture shit. Um, number one, it did. I did not really want to talk about it. I spent a lot of time trying to listen and learn, as everyone says, but mm-hmm. take action where I could take action as well. And that took a lot of my mental time and energy. Um, and it just did not feel right to take up space uh, when so many other black creators were going through the emotional labor and taking their time to try and educate other people. Um, so if this is the only podcast you listen to, if you have not, if <laughs> Wolf is all I can if, say. If you have not made an effort recently to find some diverse... Expand your horizons. To expand your podcast listening and, and find some diverse creators, um, stop listening to this one. Go find someone else to listen to. Come back when you're ready um you have some you have a few that you listen to that you can yeah. probably recommend mm-hmm. what's the one that the um uh still processing still processing probably is the, the one, one that of. you listen to i yep. have listening been listening to a few of the code switch ones through npr yeah um the stacks is a great podcast by someone that um i follow on instagram mm-hmm. uh and that has a lot of that's another um well one that actually talks about books because when's the last time we talked about a book Mm. um so the stacks podcast i would recommend uh there's plenty of other ones any type of podcast you like there's there's a lot of great options that uh, can give you a better education and a more firsthand experience on a lot of the things that our country is experiencing uh and i feel like i should name them i feel like i'm doing the white fragility thing where i'm just talking around it um we live in we live in saint paul uh, George Floyd was murdered in Minneapolis, mm-hmm. not very far from here. Uh, there were riots and protests not far from us. Yep. Um, and I work with primarily black students. Uh, I have black coworkers and friends. Um, not that you should have to know someone black to, to empathize or to care about the racism, the systemic racism in our country, um, but it certainly made it hit a little closer to home for me, um, made it more personal and made me you know, that much more dedicated to try and do something about it. So I have been reading plenty of books. We've been watching um, some diverse media uh, related to racism and mass incarceration and yeah. the civil rights movement and things like that. Um, I've been There's a lot of good lists out there that you can so many lists. Yeah. Um, if you go to at book digits on Instagram, uh, I have tons of uh, resources on there that I've kind of compiled to point you towards black creators and anti-racist books. Uh, I'm also happy, always happy to give personalized recommendations if anyone wants to reach out on our Twitter or um, on any of our accounts. Uh, and I've been trying to take action where I can as well. We've made some donations um bought a lot of books by black authors from black uh bookstores and voted in our primaries we voted in our primaries because um obviously 
consuming media is just one thing you can do. And I just read an article uh, the other week that talked about, I think it was an opinion piece basically saying, you know, you reading five books or watching five movies is not going to make a systemic change to a systemic issue, right? Uh, but that doesn't mean that it's not helping your individual growth. Um, and the article dove into how like a country as a whole has to reckon with its ugly history, which I think for America can be all across the spectrum in terms of the different groups that it's alienated or killed or punished wrongly. Um, the example that it used in the article was a country like Germany, which has maybe arguably a more sordid past than the U.S., maybe not, um, and how they're now looked on as like a beacon of democratic hope and progress in Europe. Now, when I did more research on that, not every German person agrees with that. Some people will argue that they have not fully reckoned with their, their past. Um, but they've tried to reckon with their past. That's kind of what I came to, which is that... Um, they recognized how ugly it was, and they realized that like a whole scale uh, change was required. They you know, starting that. with education, they give first graders when they teach you about what happened and why we have to remember it. But and not they took the statues down. And they took the statues <laughs> down. That was another big they, point of the article. They yeah. recognize that there is a past to be reckoned with, where yeah. so many people in America still don't even think whether or not you agree with the feasibility of reparations. Like so many people sure. are still stuck on we did nothing wrong um or that was my ancestors yeah. and it's over and so that was one thing that left me really shaking my head is that could almost couldn't understand it but you could almost i don't know sort of see how if we were the only country to go through this then it might be really really hard to start dealing with this as a group as a society as a whole but there is like a map and a a game plan for how you at but least you could, start doing you this. You could say that for every issue, healthcare, gun yeah. control, COVID, like literally America often refuses to believe that other countries have done anything before us or better right. than us. Yeah. And this is just one more example of a way that we're not willing to look to other countries for example of how to how to fix something or how to move forward. Yeah. So yeah, coming back around to your original point, I do wholly support uh, the effort to to diversify the media you take in, um, how you approach everything in your day-to-day -day life. But for me personally, the point I always harp on is that the people in power are the ones who can uh, bring about the real change that people are screaming about fighting for in the streets. Um, but that's also... What? We do have some accountability to the people in power. Mm -hmm. Like one of the things that I've been doing is trying to speak up in person which hasn't been a lot lately or uh, on a video chat or via email or however I, however I can in my workplace or um, to businesses or whatever when I see things happening that are wrong that are yeah. racist that are unjust that are in inequitable um, and say something and not just sit and shake my head and or or you know text my other friend who i know cares about social justice yeah. too and be like doesn't this suck but trying to say something about it. like the people in power aren't like in like floating on a cloud where you can't reach them like yeah. that power uh has been given to them somehow and uh, there's even something like amazon like you can divest your dollars from it or oh, yeah. um i mean voting doesn't help if you're in a fascist state but uh 
voting, exercising your right to vote, mm-hmm. or filing a complaint against someone who does something racist, even if it's not done to you. Right, no, that was one of my points, is that I think people are, some people are sitting and waiting for the government to overnight, like, change its entire structure and how it does things, and that's not going to happen even on one big election, um, even if it swings uh, Congress and everything else. Um, so yeah, when I talk about people in power, that's that can be small bits of power in your community, in your office, in your church, whatever it is. And it's, I mean, I don't want to minimalize by comparing it to another movement, but climate, uh, climate change is something that I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. And there's always got to be that two-pronged approach. Like, yes, there are changes you can make individually to promote a better lifestyle and to produce less waste and mm-hmm. use less energy. But every single person in the world could, like literally right now has stopped commuting Correct. and making a lot of make made a lot of big changes and you're not going to actually stop the progression of climate change unless corporations yeah. also do their part so it's a similar thing where like we have a responsibility as individuals to speak up and make changes in our lives but we also need to put pressure on and hold accountable the, the bigger systems of power be it yeah. governments corporations etc to make change on a larger scale yeah and if anyone knows how to escape capitalism while still enjoying some mass-produced goods please let us know anyways uh if you're still listening to that like 10 minute rant about i think we did pretty well with that people, um we're not supposed to pat ourselves on the back that's part of the thing i meant more in terms of uh the time oh, okay. than, than any sort of um if you listen to all of that, Other you definitely compliment. need to go listen to people who actually know what they're talking about in terms of race theory and um, the experience of, of race in America. Uh, so seek that out or ask us directly if you need recommendations. Cool. So now we're going to talk about some dumb shit. Yep. We've got basically... I think actually we should start with Hamilton because I think that's a pretty good segue, actually. Okay. Do you want to start with your thoughts and feelings about it? Um, so we're talking specifically about the Disney Plus live recording, which came out on 4th of July, which proved to be a a big weekend for me, because <laughs> shortly after I came down with a, a somewhat serious illness, um, which presented as coronavirus-type symptoms, at least some, I slept Are you going to let me make my joke? Right. Well, I was going to say... Okay, um, go ahead. It... it well, yeah, I guess I'm stealing my thunder. Good lord. Oh, sorry. Um, so for, for a good for a good five days, I slept with a unlit candle by my bed and sniffed it hourly to make sure I still had the sense of my sense. Bad, you were on the couch. I was you on the couch. Didn't want the baby yeah. to get sick. Right in a in a sad quarantine in a nice house. Um, and so I got my test, which was an experience on its own. Uh, was told that the positive result. They would tell you within two days or a negative result within seven days, which if they know the result after two, you'd think they would be able to communicate that. Anyways, I digress. And a negative result in seven days is practically useless. Correct. Um, So then I was naked. I'll set the scene. I was naked about to enter the shower when I noticed a huge bullseye on my upper thigh indicative of a tick-borne illness. possibly Lyme disease probably not but some variation thereof uh, which led to the greatest joke of 2020 which was when my wife came down the stairs and said oh my god what if you have corona with Lyme but um yeah there's those sound effects for you again yeah 
Um, so, anyways, that all I, I we think I was bit by the tick on the Fourth of July. The third of July. The third the of July. Eve of Fourth of July the Eve, Eve, right? Which was when Hamilton came out, I think. Yeah, you're right. Um, so it's Lynn Manuel. Man- blah. Blah blah. I am Hercules. Man- there you go. Roll with it, baby. Uh, <laughs> I need to stop. Uh, I do not blame Lynn Manuel for that. I'm not part of the Lynn cancel culture team. I don't think. Nor do you. Pr- you're pretty neutral. You might be one of the few people that's neutral. Pretty neutral. On, on I feel like I'm pretty neutral on a lot of things. I think I'd be a good sounding board for a lot of things. Sure. Um, I'm not saying that it's always better to be neutral. I was more or more. I was saying that uh, the white dude thinks he is unbiased. Yeah, that's probably what I was saying. Yeah. You caught you, me on it because you have you think you have no identity because you are ex- used to being the Blank norm. slate. Mm. Wow call each other out and call each other in this is a good therapy session um so yes we watched we watched hamilton on the tv one time and then a second time with some other people uh with masks on for the record so in terms of the show it was fun for me to see the original cast even though well, i won't quibble with lin-manuel's stage presence whatever he's a good guy what? You don't get to talk about his stage presence unless you were like actually in the room. Oh God! Where tell me how happened. you swooned. Oh my God! He is—he is a good actor. Less about stage presence and just his nasally voice is what I usually <laughs> argue about. Um, so I thought the production on on the TV was overall pretty good. I didn't feel like you got to see a lot of the background stuff, which I guess makes sense because they had to focus on the characters. And, um, like, that's... I feel like that's hard because in the uh, actual live theater... You, the stage performance. You very rarely see any facial expressions aside from far away. And I do think they maybe went a little bit too far to the movie side of it where you're, it was too tight of a shot around their faces so yeah. you missed the background dancers and, yeah. and the sets moving and stuff. But... I think that's part of that was part of the point of the Disney Plus recording. It was like you could actually see the characters' faces on like live theater. Right. Um, like it was a different experience for me, even though I'd seen most of that cast, to actually be able to see their faces more like a movie. Yeah. So I'll keep this moving because we we got plenty of stuff to talk about. So Hamilton came out in two thousand eight, like full full Broadway. I believe. When were we in Australia? Uh, wait, 2008. That's very wrong, I feel like. That's too early. Yeah, no, that's when Obama was elected. It was... Can you Google it real quick? Can I make my guess? Sure. 20... Got married in 2014. I'm going to guess 2014. I'm guessing it was the year we got married. Okay. Because I saw it the following year when we came back from Australia for Christmas. Is when I saw it. Uh, January 2015. That can't be right. Come out on Broadway. Public in 2015, yeah. Really? Richard Rogers Theater in July 2015. We were married. We were in Australia in 2015. You saw it that winter, right? Oh, it would have been 2016. January 2016. Because we got married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 2016. Okay. So, anyways, all that to say is that. I didn't think I would be one of those people who would be like, wow, look at how times have changed since then. But wow, look at how times have years. changed since then. Yeah. 
I mean, I I was one of those people who was like, wow, this president we've elected is going to ruin everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it is interesting to see how like monumental and um, I don't know the word I'm thinking of, uh-huh. but like the show was the, you're saying, yeah, 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 like the shift, like the paradigm shift mm-hmm. of the show at the time, and now looking at it, it seems like far too little too late in terms of slavery in terms of black representation in terms of yeah we can dig into each of the elements real quick here so the thing that people came after lin-manuel upon you know nth time rewatch i'm sure of the show is uh the the lack of a discussion, I guess, around slavery and the fact that the primary characters in the novel, uh, in the show, own slaves. Yeah. Um, which I sympathize with Lin-Manuel for because it's already a long show. He tries to do so a hell of a lot with that show. Uh, he, poor John Lawrence, every time the man appears on stage, he shouts out the word slavery. So it's not like Lin was, like, trying to erase... There was a whole rap battle... Right. Where that was the linchpin. And there's... Right. I was going to say, there's... They call out Excuse Jefferson me, for that it. language. Huh? Is linchpin a bad language? Hmm. Could be. It's like a master-slave note on computers, which is the one thing that I spoke up about in my work context, because I do try to separate conversations. Anyways. Um, so... Right. There's the slavery aspect. No. It has to do with axles. Okay. Like a mechanical thing. Yes. So for me on a personal level, again, not trying to pat myself on the back, but I was just thinking of when I was first listening to the lyrics, uh, which probably would have been 2016 or 2017 by the time you finally convinced me to listen to it. 2016, because I went and you said you weren't interested in going. Yeah. And then you started liking it and then were mad that I didn't let you go. Right. So I can remember the first time listening to it. It must have been before the election. And I was we were living in Australia, but I was still like, well, America is the greatest country in the world. Sure. And so here is a really cool rendition of the Founding Fathers and how America won the Revolutionary War and became the greatest country on Earth. Four years later, my own personal views on all of those statements <laughs> I just made have radically shifted. Uh, in fact, I had a very long essay written, assuming I had coronavirus, where I was going to make a, a rare Facebook post uh, and call out a lot of different things. And then it turned out I had a tick-borne illness, when it just felt like it'd be the wrong, wrong tone to. I spent a lot of time forming a post as well. Yeah. Because I was. Uh, I was angry at mask non-wearers. I was angry at founding fathers. I was angry at a lot of people. And all of it really came about for me was listening to fireworks on 4th of July evening when I just wanted to go to sleep because I was tired and had a baby. But also I was like crying because I was like, what are these people actually celebrating? Are they celebrating summer? Okay. Are they celebrating the country? Why? Are they celebrating the history of the country? Why? Are they celebrating their bubble that they, that they, their privilege that they can stay in this bubble and not worry about especially in this twin cities right exactly it felt extra hypocritical and just cruel almost to be celebrate celebrating so for me the thing that i kind of am disappointed with lynn manuel in the long run is is that awesome job in terms of you know 
getting diverse representation into this cast to such a large degree for a show that is all about white people for the most part um but why are we why why are we telling that story why are we celebrating that story uh i've been reading an indigenous people's history of the united states uh which i'll talk about maybe more when i actually finish it but it's just such a such a white-centric view of the forming of the country that it just feels really dirty to me now to being even to to hold up people like Washington in such high regard when it was it's stolen land that you're celebrating on. And we've started listening to Stamp from the Beginning, which is going to take us the rest of our lives to finish yeah. on audiobook probably. Man, it took but... 2 hours to figure out what the fuck a cotton mather. <laughs> <laughs> and and like and 2 hours in I was like pretty sure those dudes are gonna have sex and then i we had to pause and i had to explain to you what the movie junior starring arnold schwarzenegger was about because i was like these two last names cannot merge without these two dudes having sex uh little did you know um anyways but we they talk a lot about how i think it was in stamp from the beginning or maybe it was something else i was reading Hmm. but about how when the country was formed it people like to have this idea of like they didn't know any better and yeah. the stamp from the beginning is like now they did this on purpose all the way back like hundreds well, you blew of hundreds my mind you blew my mind that one day when you just looked at me and you said europe was a mistake <laughs> and i said honey we had a really nice trip last year we got to go to london we went to scotland we went to spain we went to france you loved that trip and you went no 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 that was great but the whole fucking continent was a mistake <laughs> listening to that book it's just uh, it's all about how how uh poorly they they how unethically they got their power for everything the easy answer to people didn't know any better or they they it was just a genuine mistake look at australia i mean the same exact thing happened yeah they went there just to put people in prison and they did the same exact things in terms yeah. of claiming the land over and, and over and, and over. killing the native people or um, enslaving them or so yeah i'm not i'm not on twitter i'll say but have people called out lin-manuel for i don't think native american or indian is mentioned once in the show is it like you said he tried to do a hell of a lot with uh my bigger thing that i was thinking of just now is if he tried to make this show now yeah it wouldn't go well. Oh man, it would not like, go well. It would. I'll be like, interested to see if, like, if when it comes back, if it's sold out every night. It probably will just by, just by rep- reputation. And but. I mean, we tend to think like, oh, people on Twitter are mad, so that means the real world cares about that. No, no, no. And the white ladies will, and the English teachers saying. will still go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's interesting to think of if you tried to make that now, what the response man. would be, and the response would be, why are you? Why are you still centering whiteness with this story? Well, right. I mean, the whole show starts with him saying, I got to go to this land to be the man I want to be. But you're going American on a dream. ship to, yeah, to stomp on other people's lands that people were murdered so that you could go hang out in New York City. Yeah. Okay. We're a half hour in. I think I covered my Hamilton comments. Um, so you came up with a good idea of trying to break things by category of media. Yes. And then I was going to further break down some things by whether I watched it alone or we watched it together. So do you want to do our recently read books? Do you want to do movies or do you want to do TV? Um, we just did theater. Um, I'm going to say movies okay. because I feel like the theme of some of the movies that we've watched while we've been bored and 
Well, we've really been bored, but while we've had some spare time and yeah. we haven't really had spare time, I don't know how to phrase this. There's just not a while lot of good shit on. There's nothing new on. No, yeah. There was no sports for a long time. We've so. been watching some movies that have not held up well. Trying to catch up with some some era of zeitgeist. I don't know what I'm saying, but um, I still don't really know what zeitgeist means. Yeah. Like the pop culture mm. thing. I don't know. Um, my. I don't have a lot of notes for this week. Yeah. The one like most emphatic note that I have uh-huh. is all capital Bull Durham is so wow. bad. So yeah, I love baseball movies maybe more than any other genre. I mean like probably the sub-genre. most most yeah, subgenre. The probably the most mad I've been at you in the last few years was when you told me For Love of the Game was a bad movie. I didn't enjoy that one at all. Um, it's a very man movie. It's it like is, a man yeah. rom-com. Oh, definitely. It's like, do you want to see romance, but you don't want to be seen as a sissy? Watch this movie. Right. So, I guess Field of Dreams would be like the pinnacle. Why? I keep asking you to rewatch that. Uh, I just put a bunch of my old Netflix stolen, ripped DVDs on that little flash drive. Allegedly. Yeah, and Field of Dreams is there, so we can watch it anytime, day or night, babe. Okay. Uh, for me, Finding Forrester I, was like the first DVD I ever owned. Punch the keys, damn it. <laughs> thank you. I've definitely watched it like 80 times, no joke. Um, anyways, Bull Durham was one that I had never seen. You're not going to ask me what my favorite baseball movie What's is? Field of Dreams, I thought. No. What? What's your second guess? A League of Their Own. Uh, no, different category a little bit for me. Yeah, what? Angels in the Outfield. Oh, in the outfield. I had the VHS correct, tape and did like, we talk about the the little kid movies in a podcast yet? No. Uh, little Big League, which is about the kid owning the Minnesota Twins, is actually pretty good. It was all right. I thought it was funny that it was a Twins. Yeah, Rookie of the Year is not good. Which ones? I get that one confused with the Rookie. Rookie of the Year was when Very he had different. the arm injury and suddenly became a starting pitcher for the Cubs. Oh, yeah, it was pitch, but bad. Correct. And as you pointed out, they need to be making pitch right now. Why they are they needed, not making they pitch right now? They need to be, yeah. Um, anyways, what were we saying? Oh, Boulder. Um, so I knew nothing about it going in, except that it was like supposed to be like the, the trifecta of Kevin Costner, because he did Field of Dreams, Bull Durham, and then uh, For Love of the Game. So One out of three for me. It that's, was, a, that's still a pretty good batting average, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It is one of the worst pieces of film I have ever seen. Yep. Granted, we watched it dubbed. No, I'm not going to grant it. No, it it was terrible. I I would never care enough to see it again in its expletive version. I don't even... I didn't even... I don't even know what to say about I it. I didn't even pay enough attention to have a lot of thoughts about it because about two minutes in when From Susan From the opening voiceover, I was like... This isn't this fucking movie, is it? I was out. What did I record? This is ridiculous. I was out. My only notes that don't make any sense, even to me uh-huh. having watched it, are, has he been a ghost the whole time? <laughs> that makes no sense. That makes no sense. <laughs> and did he kill Nuke? <laughs> I don't know who Nuke is anymore. Nuke was a uh, was re- was Shawshank Redemption. Redem- Redem- Redemption. What was not Shawshank Redemption? The pitcher was the was the guy who escapes. Oh, yeah. I thought you meant he was in Red Dead. Uh, I thought you meant that Nuke was a character from no, Shawshank no, Redemption. No, no, um, no. I think it would have been a better movie had he been a ghost the whole time. Sure, <laughs> but yeah, it couldn't have been worse. 
I mean, yeah. Man, have you ever seen another piece of media that was like, wow, the 80s was a different generation? Mostly, I was just thinking like, wow. It should just be called like toxic masculinity right. the movie. And the most depressing thing for me was I YouTubed uh, afterwards trying Cisco to find people to like explain to me why this movie was so revered or is still revered by people and it was Siskel and Ebert giving it two thumbs up saying it was the funniest movie and Susan Sarandon was the best role she'd ever had. I am embarrassed for Susan Sarandon. I am angry that she took that role after after reading that script. She had like That's no offensive. agency. Her entire identity was having sex with young ball players but doing them one at a time and, and also reading big poetry? books. It was the worst character on screen or on well, in books that I had ever encountered. Like male fantasy come to life. Man. Uh, and just, I mean, we did watch it from TV, so there was no swearing. So some of the yeah. scene it's meant to be a rated R right. type movie. So some of the scenes definitely didn't make a lot of sense. But like Kevin Costner's big like speech that's supposed to be yeah. famous, even with the, with the cuss words in, it was just incomprehensible. Yeah. And meaningless. Yeah. All right. Anyways, I think we should move on. Too much time on that. Um, so the one I would segue then from there would be Tom Hanks. Oh, big. yeah. Big. I could almost oh, do a full goodness. episode on Big, but I don't think it deserves it. Can it, we, Let's just go really quick through our experience of watching was, Big. We watched it after watching Little... Like, pretty soon after watching Little Big League. Yeah. And it was similar, and I'm like, oh, this is cute. Like right, Another movie that people I feel like people had talked about all the time. I had never seen it. People always the just said, oh, oh, big. The oh, big. Yeah, Tom Hanks. Tom His Hanks. early movie's big. You know big. And the piano with the thing on the, in the store. Which is like a high concept premise. Do, 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 and then right, the little kid, uh, well, what is it, carnival game? Turns him into a, a an adult. Yeah. And how is he going to navigate this it's life? Like 13 going on 30, similar. Man, and as a new parent, I just, I was just all about the mom storyline. I was like, her kid disappeared. This is a horror mystery film from her perspective. Yes. So that's one element. Uh, the, just They just wasted that movie. Oh my God. So like they had such this cool premise of like the kid becomes an adult and works at a toy, uh, f- toy company and like reinvigorates the... <laughs> and reinvigorates like the... The love right. of of toys into this culture of this company. So and I will tell you. Exa- I will tell you exactly where the pivot happens. You have the company Christmas party. I think it's Christmas party. Sure. Uh, and Tom Hanks has another one of those moments, like with the the piano. It's him eating baby corn. Which, first of all, have you ever been to a party where they've served baby corn Not on its own? Fancy. No. And he nibbles on it as if it was corn on the cob. Okay, whatever. And then right after that. It becomes, as you described it, I think, a film of pedophilia, really. Yes. Because there's the attractive co-worker who they've been kind of teaming up against some of the more curmudgeon-y toy, uh, toy shop or, CEOs or toy business. Executives. Yeah. Uh, and what this movie should have done... They were just supposed to be best friends. ...was had the woman that. become the CEO... Because there's this whole story about line about how the owner is like old and aging, and about this this woman keeps getting like um, discriminated against. Correct. So and she instead, should have become the CEO, and she, he should have become like the chief idea instead, officer. Instead, she sleeps or with a thirteen year old repeatedly, Lord. and they have this 
they have this weird domestic relationship yep. that makes no sense and it makes him realize that he doesn't want to be a grown-up parents oh my god it's like a whole thing and it's, it's disturbing. so creepy and disturbing. And their farewell, and it's kind of like, and find she, me when you're older again? Find me oh when you're God. like an old enough that it's not rape? Uh, it was, yeah, it wow. was, it could have been a much better movie, and it really, really Between just... that and Bill, Dur- Bill Durham, in terms of the 80s, like, shame Yikes. on you people. Shame on you. Yikes. Speaking of not knowing better and knowing better, um, should we go into our other 80s film? Sure. Top Gun. We were going to save it for a full episode, but I've tried to wipe my memory of it. I will say my memories of Top Gun are more that my parents liked the movie. Um, right. My only familiarity of it is that I have an aunt and uncle who swear by the movie and nicknamed one of their kids Goose. Is that from the movie? Yeah. Yeah. Nicknamed Nicole Goose. Um, really? From that, yeah. And I always, th- always just thought it came out of you out of silly goose. all of those movies? Yeah. Out of any movie in the world? Yeah. That family? And really? then I knew about the little... Um, meet the parents, sorry. Meet the parents with the volleyball scene and they're shouting Iceman and whatever back and forth. And I'm like, okay, this is a, this is a Top Gun thing. The volleyball scene is going to be like amazing when I see it. Was it was softcore porn. And then I was like, oh, it's just... It's just shirtless men playing volleyball. Yeah. With the soundtrack, which is one song. Yeah. I would love to purchase the soundtrack just to see it. 12 it's like tracks. like the soundtrack of Coco. What? Remember. Remember. <laughs> reprise. Remember. Yeah. The whole soundtrack. Because I remember watching that movie and being like, oh, it's a cute movie. Not one of my like all-time favorites, but let me see what the soundtrack is. It's literally eight versions of Remember Me and then the one Poco Loco in the middle. Yeah. So I guess after seeing Bull Durham, I guess it explains Top Gun a little bit better for me. The mas- toxic masculinity aspect yeah. of it. Whereas when I saw Top Gun with like only some vague cultural knowledge of it, I was just like, this is a bad movie about not particularly likable people. And nothing really happens in it. There's not no, a lot of No, nothing happens. I remember, so the way I remember it from seeing it like on TV as a kid half watching with my parents mm-hmm. is that like he is like this um rogue uh agent kind of thing like he always just does his own thing because he's super competent and, like a bad boy does his own thing yeah. and then his uh, spoilers i guess his partner dies and his dad dies and he has to like live up to his dad and there's this whole thing about whether or not he's going to go back uh and he has to be convinced to go back and he falls in love with the teacher and like I remember it that's being like, like back, that's like the background of the movie. It's the background of yeah. the movie, and like the the part that I remember being like the biggest climax of like, does he choose to go back or not? And they play like the '80s synth music in the background. Yeah. It was like an afterthought. Yeah, uh, it's just bizarre. Yeah, I'm trying to recall what the actual plot is, and I can't can't really. The plot do is it. literally like they're they not in war, to, right? They're, they're at in training. the academy. Yeah, they get selected for spots in the academy. Man. I still can't watch the part when Goose dies, though. It really Uh, gets me still. I have thoughts about military media in general, but I'll save that for another time. Uh, I thought we were saving that for this time because I have Catch-22 right I do. We can segue to TV if you want. Do we have any other movies? Uh, We can segue. Just take the segue. This isn't... We never have an order. I'm just going to say real quick... Yeah, I just have a couple of other quick movies I'll mention. Um, 
In terms of really bad movies, Desperados on Netflix. I enjoyed that one as a bad movie. I accept that it was bad and a lot of it jumped the shark, but I, I did enjoy watching it. Well, the it. new phrase of jump the shark is now dick slapped by the <laughs> <I> dolphin. <don't. laughs> okay. It's uh, alliterative even. Palm Springs was much better in terms of a streaming service. I liked uh, Desperados better. Movie. Oh, gosh. You but have, I didn't watch all of Palm tips. Springs. I only watched the last 20 minutes. That's true. You I was in a fever dream while I was it. watching it. Uh, I also noted Life of the Party. Melissa McCarthy is too good for bad scripts. Yeah. It's a good TV to movie to watch if you're like halfway in and you've never seen it. Yes. Or if you're only like one quarter paying attention because like the plot doesn't really matter. Maya Rudolph often doesn't do it for me, but she was good in this movie, She's, especially. Her and her husband were the best her part husband, of this movie. Yeah. Um, Game Night. Wow. Oh, speaking of getting dick slapped by a dolphin. Uh, I had seen, I had heard it compared to. Office Christmas party, whatever oh, that no, movie wait, is called. I was thinking Casino Night. House. Oh, beat the yeah, the house or something. That one was bad with Will, Will and Amy. That one they just like committed too deep and didn't know where to go with it. Yeah, like fifteen minutes in, you're like, oh shit, they are already They're, in too deep. Yeah. Game Night was the dumb murder yeah, mystery that game. That one I did not like. Yeah. It was not funny. It made me no. very anxious. Yeah. And there was like too many twists past when I cared about the twists. Yeah. And um, I didn't like it. Uh, and the only other one that I watched and noted here, watched by myself, was Uncut Gems, which I've been really excited you about. Did that? Oh, yeah. In like eight different parts, I paused it. Um, because everyone said, oh, it's Adam Sandler's best performance ever. You have Kevin Garnett acting. You got Lakeith Stanfield. It's like dynamite. One of the worst movies I've ever seen. Incomprehensible as a movie, without subtitles, literally incomprehensible. Uh, people have described it as a 120-minute panic attack for people in the audience, uh, which it is. It's just the soundtrack, everything about it is like, how can one man's life be so fucked up? I do not recommend anybody watch it. I sounds like I would not make it two minutes in that. You know, I have you would such anxiety. Have, yeah. I couldn't even watch that Melissa McCarthy one where she like fakes the letters to the fake. Yeah, yeah, the... yeah. Um, will you ever forgive me or something like that? Please, can you forgive me? None, none of those titles sound right, but the forgive me part does. Whatever. Hmm. Um, are we gonna save this one for a real episode? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Sure. Um. So our segue, you you were going to segue yeah. about, we don't have to get into the topic of militarization because it's already been a long podcast so far. But it was called Can You Ever Forgive Me? That's right. Yeah, Catch-22 was like a six-part Hulu thing, which I I was really like digging through the bottom of the barrel for something to watch um, mid midsummer uh, after I think I went through the oj i think we must have talked about oh god i think we talked about that last time didn't we yeah that sounds right um and so i almost clicked on 11 23 63 whatever it's called you hated that book. i hated that book and i was like i don't want to watch this so then i was like catch 22 i had mixed feelings about the book because i really liked some of the the things that he did in it but i thought overall it was just a mess of a book um and if you read reviews of Catch-22, it's a lot of people who love the book who hated the show. For me, I actually quite enjoyed the show because it took some of those elements and some of those farcical gags that the book kind of gets lost in everything else that's happening with the book. And in the show, it kind of gets its own episode, um, which I thought was really cool. Uh, but it is a mixed bag of a show. 
so yeah, you you caught bits and pieces of it though. I um I did not really like it. Mm-hmm. I you cried during one. Well, you only saw like one of like the three really really emotional depressing scenes but i just think it was really not the show i needed at that time in my life (laughs) uh i was very anxious and having i don't know i did not need a depressing show in my life Mm -hmm. and i feel like every episode was just if 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 uncut gems was like 120 minutes of anxiety yeah this this show was like 360 minutes of depression yeah like you read the book too I read the book a yeah. long time ago. Oh, okay. I didn't remember a lot of it. I read it like in I 2012. When I read the book, it must have been last year. You read it earlier this year. It's not on my you list. Read it around forever. I was trying to think of it as pre or post baby. I couldn't remember. It was post baby. Hmm. Anyways, I um, I thought the main actor did, did a good job. Yeah. Um, but the acting I, in it was really good. Yeah. It was a very bad show for me to only watch part of. Yeah. Because it's a confusing enough storyline and characters and everything to start with. And only watching bits and pieces of it, it was like literally impossible yeah. to follow which character was who and, and like what was happening. Um, and yeah, I did watch. I enjoyed the parts in Italy. Do It's actually the last book I read before Baby. There you go. Oh, okay. I read from November 6th to November 30th. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed a few parts of it. And I think... Some of it was well done and maybe more comprehensible than the book. Like the Correct. doctor part was good. Like yep. I think they were able to take a lot of like the main themes. From Even the, the book Milo and some part, the which is like the whole joke, is kind of how ridiculous this scheme is. Like you could at least understand what he was doing. Whereas in the book, I lost track of where the hell Milo was. But yeah, I found it too depressing for what I needed, and I just don't really know what the point of it was. Um, I'm not gonna like get into the psychology of of military movies, but. Mm-hmm. To me, I just do we like it still seemed to glorify war, even though it was the whole point of the book is to not glorify war. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it was still a military show. I it didn't it didn't come off very anti-military to me. Um, I, I can kind of see where you're coming from, but uh, Yosarian's whole whole mission, ironically, in the show, his whole goal is to max out the mission so that he can go home it's all about going home i i know i remember that and i'm saying that that's what the plot is but the way they made the show Mm. it's still a military show for interesting for people who like watching people go up in planes and like the military atmosphere and camaraderie and all of that like it didn't actually subvert very many of those tropes that it was supposed to subvert i have a book idea that i'm going to write that will do all that so stay tuned okay um, I think I talked about uh, Slaughterhouse Five last time, so I won't go into that again. But okay, what other shows do you have? Uh, I actually don't have too many on my list. Let me pull it back up. My phone is charging for once. Woohoo! I don't think we um, finished many shows. Run. We gave up oh, on that Oh, I did know that. Fast. Yeah, wow. I have a lot of feelings about two episodes of Run. So, Domhnall Gleeson. I don't normally follow actors or actresses to things, but Domhnall, for whatever reason, probably thanks to About Time, I just get happy when I see his mug. His you have sort a crush of, on him. It's sort okay. of ugly mug and his his various UK accents. And the or floppy American hair. Accents. Yeah, the floppy hair. 
uh, this show was real bad. And this is coming wow, from people HBO. Who, who made wow. it all the way through Bull Durham. Yep. And you made it through the OJ show. Yeah. Like, this was bad. This was, like, give up on it bad. Again, from, like, the opening shot when you're like, what is she running from? What is she running to? I'm a little bit intrigued, but none of this makes any logical sense. And I literally shut off the TV when he found a picture of her children. And I was like, there are a couple things in media. I don't normally have, like, you have, like, certain triggers that, like, you will not watch a movie or show with. If it is something that is supporting infidelity as, like, it is the only... Like, you're rooting for the infidelity. Rooting for infidelity. Like, if someone's coming from a bad situation, okay, that's one thing. But rooting for infidelity and leaving your family behind... If those people are the protagonists, I'm not watching that thing. Yeah, they really have to convince you uh, that it's worth Man, that. and I read the summaries of the next couple episodes, and I was almost... Dick slapped by a dolphin. Pretty much, yeah. Someone fell off a building is all I heard. And then they're actually running away from murder? Man. The book I'm listening to right now um, also has a lot of running puns that I'm not loving. Okay. Um, Zephron. I did just jot down that one, yeah. Uh, Wait, do we have more to watch? Did we finish it? Yeah, no, we only have like four of ten. Oh, okay. So it's basically like Zach Efron try to get globally woke. I don't know what the right word is. Um, tries to show that you can be like a beefy LA white dude and mm-hmm. in a beefy white dude in an LA bubble and still care about the rest of the world and like open your eyes to the rest of the right. world. Right. And I actually really, you know, with no irony, I have en- I enjoyed it. Zach's kind of viewpoint of it because he does kind of admit that he's a noob to a lot of this stuff and he is kind of like a stand-in for the audience his partner in crime I'm not a super big Darren I think not a super fan of he's kind of just like a walk barefoot and life is good man yeah type of figure it's also a very weird show it's not very well produced or edited there's a couple of episodes where like they have interviews or things that don't work and yet they show them in their entirety and joke about them in voiceovers yeah, it's just a very strange dynamic voiceovers are like a l- not great um but i do like zach's uh i think he he's makes the good point that like you don't have to be an expert mm-hmm. on like alternative fuels um to be open-minded about other ways of doing things yeah. and i feel like that's coming back to what we were talking about earlier one of the things that a lot of Americans struggle with is yeah. not just empathy, but like uh, open-mindedness to the idea that that other countries are doing things right, or that there are other ways to do things. Like just because of the way we're doing, right. the way, just because we're doing something a certain way now doesn't mean it's the only or best way to do that. So I like that he's kind of like I have no idea what's going on half the time, yeah. but I'm willing to learn. And and it's a very earnest show. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's very quite telling that it is a show about finding places where people are doing alternative things and things that work. And none of the episodes we saw take well, place in one America. In LA. Where they were just in LA. the guy drinking bad water. Yeah, that one was. I um, comments about that as a scientist, but I'll save them. Yeah, I mean, to the show's credit, it got me to Google how to move to Costa Rica. So there you go. Um, it got me to slightly hate iceland less yeah but that's mostly because of their in relation airline. to reality shows we also watched the full run of comedians watch house hunters oh yeah which got me through a couple weeks when it i needed did. some junk tv yeah um because house hunters is the kind of thing where i'm always like could i leave that on the background and then i just hear the voice and i'm like 
No, and we have our own history where we were recruited we for House Hunters and it left a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah. Um, but this was like the perfect form of goggle box, which is an Aussie reference for you. Uh, reality TV where it's like the channel itself recognizing how ridiculous its own content is and letting people make fun of it live on TV. Not live. And um, then... They also have done a good job, at least for the ones that, I don't know if there's going to be more, but the ones they showed of picking episodes that are ridiculous. Like, yeah, yeah, picking which ones, selecting which ones to ridicule. Oh, Um, there were some classics they found. Yeah. And we're not even House Hunters people, really. Like you said, we don't put it on in the background. I rarely watch it. Um, I've watched it enough to, like, know about it. But, uh, yeah, that has been a good one. Um, I was going to say the one that I've really enjoyed lately that I kind of sucked you into uh-huh. the babysitter's club on yeah. netflix when it first came out and everyone was talking about it like a month ago or whatever i was kind of like eh, i don't know if i really am in the mood for like a middle Another, grade kind of a show reboot. a Ugh. reboot it's kind of like a little kid's kind of show i don't know if i i don't know if i feel like it and then last week with we don't even have time to get into going back to school no drama but with me being just really drained from all the back to school stuff. Uh, I was like, this seems like a kind of lighthearted show to put on in the background. Well, I cried like every episode, so it was not that lighthearted of a show. Um, but I thought they did a really good job with it. I liked the characters that the, the actors, actresses say they that picked. The kid actors, just phenomenal. Um, they were the, just the right blend of good enough at acting that you can like, it sucks you into the show, but not so good that it seems like, super polished and mature yeah like they still seem like kids but they sure. they seem like their characters not just but when you have like a 20 year old like playing a high school kid or something these were like maybe high schoolers playing middle schoolers but it was still good yeah um and just like the topics they talked about were very after school especially but still actually felt really current mm-hmm. um and yeah like I the just, old man i am i was more invested in the parental storylines and I'm especially concerned with the cliffhanger that they left. One character leaves a wedding reception having ingested hazelnuts and announcing to the entire table that she has a very bad nut allergy. And the daughter says, there's an EpiPen in the car. Let me go get it. And a man who on the show I've been told to trust in this type of situation says, no, daughter. I've you got sit it. There, I've got it. Does he have the car keys? I don't I know. Don't think Where is so. Raymond Holt? Does he? Yeah. You'll have to know the actor to know that. But You were shocked. Bum, Cher from Clueless. Yeah. Is one of the parents. You were right. I, I was squinting from the kitchen going, nah, that's not her. I was like, I'm pretty sure it's her. Like, she, her nose looks Alicia different. Alicia Silverstone, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So it's, a nice, got... it's a nice 10 episode run. It's fine. It's I would nice say arc. watch it if you have kids or with your kid maybe my bigger concern was that like they sometimes seem to explain why that these children were alone or what what the supervision level was and sometimes didn't like at one point the two two of the characters go on a honeymoon and who are the rest of them staying with yeah true there's, there's like not six children you know i love logistics in my media and there was not enough logistics here also my tweet review would have been uh, deceiving title, not enough babysitting for me. <laughs> Mostly club, not enough babysitting. Um, also the finale, like, wow, like, they basically made a short film shitting on summer camp, which 
I actually really appreciate it as someone who like has no positive summer camp memories and yet I feel like everything books and movies and shows glorify summer camp like we need people to shit just like there's a whole subreddit now about shitting on Grandpa Joe from Willy Wonka which (laughs) look up the BGAV tapes from Circa 2004 i did be four- careful what you wish for i have those cds still somewhere i did four minutes on willy wonka another and the reason you could never be president it's true on the grandparents and specifically grandpa joe in bed and the fact that john mulaney is doing a bit about a willy wonka that i saw online from like two years ago man um what was i saying <laughs> summer camp man okay anything else uh, I thought that would be a good segue into books. Baby Research Club was a book series. Real quick on TV shows, I finished Vice Principals like three years later. Season two was actually like really good. It's like like a typical Danny McBride thing. Like it's strange and sort of funny, but sort of not, and sort of insightful, but sort of offensive. It's it's uh, it's, it's sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, kind of show. in that vein. Always. Someone sunny. gets mauled by a tiger in the last episode. Is all I say. And I kind of wanted you and my dad to watch it because it does talk a lot about, like, uh, school politics and administration. I think I have enough of that in my real life right now. I know. I think, like, when I'm old and retired from school, like your dad, maybe it would be more interesting. My only other note on TV is I wrote down Cat Prison two months ago. I cried about that. (laughs) So instead of House Hunters, like, the, the... you experienced this um, last time we were at my parents' house, but yeah. like what I grew up with as background shows yeah. are Animal Planet, and I'm not talking like like um, Attenborough. I'm talking right. like going when, to people's house to help them with their cat's behavior right. kind of show. When Animal Planet first started doing that kind of stuff, um, yeah. Doctor Pole Medicine, Medicine, your dad Man. like that's appointment viewing for your dad. A or man who has never one. who has never had appointment viewing for anything other than Boston sports. No, or Big Bang Theory. Orchestrated his night around Dr. the medicine man. The vet, yeah. Um. Yeah. So. So yes, there were cats watched, helping prisoners, um, and you cried. Let's I watched the yeah, my cat from hell with Jackson Galaxy, and um, there were prisoners taking care of cats, and I cried. Um. Quick advertisement. This episode is brought to you by Jelt the belts. <laughs> For <laughs> I wish I, I wish he was kidding. I I was just I bought some clothes for this fashion oh shoot we're doing soon for I the podcast. You oh, we could use it as the podcast cover. Sure. And I I'm thinking to myself I need a tan gelt if they have them now. Okay. It's also brought to you by Book Digits. Um. So we're gonna really scan through the books that we've read starting in june i guess Can some I go first? general notes on oh go ahead you yeah. scroll i'm gonna make some general notes on sure. books so i wasn't reading a lot of books because of the baby um well, that changed let me rephrase that because i spend a lot of time playing with my baby that i love and feeding him um but it makes it hard to read like physical books mm-hmm. so i there was a Enter book that cloud I, library there's a book i really wanted to read and i had used cloud re- library in the past a few times for select books and i was like i'm gonna see if they have it and this was right around the time when everyone started posting their anti-racism book reads and all of these recommendations by black authors um so i like basically took my anxiety and feelings of helplessness uh, uh, around george floyd's murder and stomach racism and aside from some of the action steps i mentioned i was like i'm just gonna read all these books because mm-hmm. that's something that i can do um and for me, reading nonfiction books really helps me 
or reading fiction books as well, but um, helps me feel more knowledgeable and gives me more confidence to speak up about things. So it is kind of like the prerequisite for the action hmm. for me a lot of times. Okay. Um, it's not that I'm only doing that and not taking action, but I need to like kind of do the studying before I uh, take the action. I don't know. Sure. Or concurrently, I guess, because I was doing them both at the same time in some ways. But I, yeah, I just went from reading like eight books for the whole year to reading like eight books in a month. So the the bad thing about that is that I definitely bit off more than I could chew with the library hold system. It's such a, it's such a like instant gratification thing. Like you've started reading it a few times. I have on the exercise bike. Yeah. And it's like you just you click it and then it's either there or it's like in your hold and it just pops up for you when it's arrived. But then I overcommitted and got a little sick of reading on my phone. Yeah. So now I've kind of failed all of those holds that I had, but I read a lot um, of eBooks and I've also kind of gotten back into audiobooks. I think I talked about this a little bit last time, but mm-hmm. I've listened to a few audiobooks um, as well. They're really good, especially at night when I, my eyes kind of, hurt from staring at my computer screen trying to figure out how to teach kids on a computer audiobooks are nice uh do you want to start with yours and i'll go through mine sure uh so since the end of may i read emma by jane austen because i had never read it oh yeah and admittedly skipped uh skimmed the last two thirds um obviously those books were written in a different era, were never even published, so they're almost more like her diary music, fictional musings. Uh, but the people who, people who hold up Emma as like a, a literary masterpiece, I, it didn't do that for me. Uh, Providence by Max Berry, I had to give a C to, unfortunately. Very nice birthday gift from you. I won't shit on Max Berry because he's a beloved author of mine, but it was a very generic sci-fi book that did not really live up to my expectations based on books like uh, Lexicon. Then I spent two months reading The Legend of Becca Cooper. Tamara Pierce, my girl. Tamara Pierce. Uh, C- C and B- I gave. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. A print. A print of uh, illustration of a map. I know books and maps was like our very first episode of this podcast. Yeah. but it's just beautiful, and a little piece of my heart lives in Tortal in terms of, like, childhood nostalgia. Sure. So I'm very excited about the map, and we're going to have to find a frame for it. It was from Dual Dual Wield Studios, mm-hmm. if anyone else out there wants to have a look. They've got some other cool, like, really niche fandom stuff. Um, <clears throat> then I got back into my white man bookshelf that I'm trudging through. Um, not all of them. I have discarded some. But Dave Eggers' first book, uh, his memoir, uh, it's kind of a good introduction to his interest to his brand of writing. Uh, but I had some some issues with it as well. Then I read Tuesday Mooney talks to ghosts uh, a couple weeks back. You don't think you're going to read it? We're not going to re- need books for the podcast that we've both read. I won't totally strike it from it takes my place list. Place in yet, Boston, at least. But you did not have a lot of good things to say no. about it. So maybe I'll make you read the Lost Causes of Bleak Creek because I just gave it an A minus. I was like talking to the characters out loud. It was, I thought you lost it. I was it, finally. slapping my knee. You got an A minus from me. All right, I'm gonna. Are you done? That's it. I'm not going to go through all of mine because there's um, a lot, quite a few. Forty-six. Give us the highlights. 
Um, I'm going to go from highest to lowest from this year so far. Mm-hmm. Skipping over ones I've already talked about. I think two of my favorites were nonfiction, which is shocking. That's shocking for you. Um, I think my favorite so far this year is The Fire Next Time by James Baldwin. He lost me a little bit in the middle, but yep. damn, that was a good book. Like, he's just an like just incredible writer. Uh, I After finishing that, I ended up buying myself a big compendium, compendium of his books, and I'm going to make you read it sometime. Yeah. Um, but just an excellent writer and just very eerie and depressing of how much a lot of what he wrote uh, is echoed a lot in, in today's, this, this year's events. Um, but just phenomenal writer, like from the second sentence, just grabbed me and didn't let go. Um, so I definitely want to read some more of his stuff when my brain turns back on. Uh, the other nonfiction one that I loved was Hood Feminism. Seems mm-hmm. wrong to say that I loved it because it wasn't like, it's not like a feel-good book. It's basically all about how white feminists just completely fail all other women. Mm-hmm. Uh, and about how many... It's a great book for just pointing out why, like, intersectional activism is so important. And how you can't just, like, pigeonhole, like, well, I don't care about the housing crisis because I'm worried about the environmental crisis or whatever. Because everything is related. And if you care about any cause at all and you don't believe Black Lives Matter, then you're not really caring about your cause Mm -hmm. because everything intersects so much. If you call yourself a feminist, but you have never considered food or housing or gun violence or education uh, feminist issues, then you're not really looking out for most women. What about trans rights too? Are there any authors that are problematic feminists in that regard? Fuck JK Rowling. She's a fucking turf. Oh gosh. Is that what you wanted? Okay. Um, I we kind of talked about that before. I think in terms of like problematic authors, I thought. Yeah. Uh, she's gotten more problematic. So, uh, I have not yet trashed and burned all of my Harry Potter stuff because it still does hold some nostalgia for me. But I have stopped talking about it and posting about it. I took my Hogwarts house out of my bio. I'm not going to buy any more Harry Potter stuff that directly profit that J.K. Rowling directly profits of. Yep. She is off of my imaginary um, 10 guests I would have for dinner, live or dead list. Uh, yeah, fuck her. Um, anyways, hood feminism, excellent. Um, I did the opposite of you. You're trying to clean out your white boy bookshelf. Yep. I tried to be even more than normal um, aware of the authors that I was reading and read more diverse authors. Um, I had done okay this year prior to that. I'd, I've read a few Latino, Latinx books and um, a few Asian books, uh, Asian authored books, but I hadn't read a lot of books by black authors and I've, I've certainly worked on that since then and will continue to work on it. Mm-hmm. Um, black Brother, Black Brother, I just finished and really enjoyed. It's a middle grade book about fencing. Um, the Black God's Drums was a novella that I really enjoyed. It was like a Creole um, fantasy steampunk kind of novella. Um, hmm. Clap When You Land. I listened to an audiobook and I'd like to read. I think I missed something. There's like too much to her writing to grasp it all. Well, on the waiting it, list on the cloud library. How can you wait in line for a cloud book? Gosh. Um, anyways, that was a good one. Um, a minuses for me boyfriend material um fake dating excellent 
You're such a sucker for that. You Should See Me in a Crown was a really good um, Midwestern black lesbian prom queen. Subgenre. <laughs> Felix Ever After uh, was about a trans uh, boy who goes to school in New York and deals with someone kind of outing him. Not outing him, he's already out, but deals with someone shaming him, I guess, and bullying him. Um, Little Family, I want you to read that one. Okay. Um, that one was pretty good. From the Desk of Zoe Washington was a um, middle grade one that was cute. Um, Aqueque Ameze is one of my new favorite authors. Pet and Freshwater, both by her, just both very strange, very genre bending. You've tried to explain these books to me. I can't explain them. They're just, the writing is incredible and like the, I don't know, just read them. Are there them. any books you didn't like? It feels like you had a very high hit rate. Um, Camp was pretty good. The Black Flamingo I listened to on audiobook. That was pretty good. Such a fun age. I had thoughts to say about I'm going to read that so we can do it. Okay, I'll save um, this one. Yes, please. Um, You're going to read this one too? Yeah. White Fragility, I I don't know that I want to get more into that right now, but um, I did read that one. I think it is helpful for white people, but I also think that there are are a lot of problems in centering a white voice when talking about racism. Um, Long Way Down, I listened to. That was a good one to listen to an audiobook. Um, the House on Mango Street I enjoyed. Dear Martin was was all right, and there's a sequel coming out. Um, Vanishing Half I didn't like as much as Such a Fun Age. I feel like they both kind of came out around the same time, and mm-hmm. people both talked about both of them. I liked Such a Fun Age better. Another one by Nick Stone, Clean Getaway. Um, wasn't my favorite from her, but I really appreciated her Instagram series on decolonizing the classroom. So if you're a teacher or you know a teacher, definitely have a look at her Instagram live series. What does that mean? What does decolonizing a classroom mean? Um, figuring out how to have your classroom be less focused on white, um, both white curriculum and uh-huh. like kind of white or white supremacist like educational structures in terms of like detention and assigned seats and mm-hmm. other kind of punitive okay. educational practices, if that makes any sense. Sure. Uh, So I found that very interesting because for me, that was some very practical, actionable steps um, as a teacher that I could do in my classroom because that is the main way that I'm able to affect change because that is where I have a position of power. Position of power is in a classroom um, with the students that I teach. So I just found that very helpful, very interesting conversation for its own sake, but very helpful. I have so many Instagram live things that I bookmarked to go back and watch who knows when, but those ones I actually made time and space to watch and I enjoyed them. Um, we're getting into ones I didn't like as much. Do you want me to talk about them? I don't want to like shit on some of these books. Yeah, no, that that's I fine. Like. I wasn't sure if you um, had any that you had a good rant, quick rant about. You've had a pretty good summer in terms pretty of... Pretty good summer. Um some classics i didn't like little women did not enjoy i think i already talked about that mm, i'm gonna watch that movie and I, still sometime i do want to watch it mm. and i didn't like the bluest eye by tony morrison and i feel bad saying that i didn't like it i'm not gonna say make any generalizations about tony morrison in general um it's one of the few books i've read that i think i wish i could have read in a college setting where you have to analyze everything yeah because i felt like there was so much more in it that i didn't really i read beloved get. in a college setting and i didn't enjoy it so that okay. at least just, for me your theory it's just not for me um i also realized that sci-fi is just really not for me 
I read an Unkindness of Ghost, which is a very like really you're saying that in like totality. Um, that one got pretty was pretty well reviewed and was pretty like intersectional and LGBT mm-hmm. um, representative and things. But I really didn't like the Becky Chambers one either that time. And people love her. A short way to a long angry planet. Mm. Long way to a I don't know. You love Firefly, though. I made it five minutes in one episode and gave up. So I just don't think I like that type of sci-fi. Sh- like, I like fantasy. I don't think I like sci-fi. Mm. Um, I'm neutral. Okay. <laughs> the ones coming up that I'm excited about. I've yep. pre-ordered some books. Are there went, any sequels that came in the mail that you're excited about? Uh, yeah, I'll get to that. I went on like a little bit of a book buying ban because I wasn't reading paper books. And when right. we moved, like we just had so many books. We still don't even have. We bought two new bookshelves almost reaching the ceiling. And we still don't have space for all of yeah. our books. So I was trying not to buy books. Uh, and then there was some that came out that just really got me. Um, Darius the Great is Not Okay was one of my favorite books of like two years ago. And... Darius the Great Deserves Better. I just got that in the mail. I got a signed one with these little little fan art cards in it that I'm excited about. Um, Ray Bearer is one that I really liked the author on Twitter. Um, she did this cool thing where it was like if you added her book and someone else's debut on Goodreads or Book Digits or a different book site, she would like describe you as if you were a book character. Right. That's really cool. I liked the what she said about me. It's just cool to like have someone do a writing prompt like that. And she seems chill on Twitter. And I felt really bad about what happened. She had her book debut, a uh, live Zoom book debut, and the b- bookstore just completely fucked it up. Mm-hmm. And like within two minutes of it starting, they got just like racist trolled off of off of their events. Uh, and the bookstore just like didn't set up any sort of security. It was literally just an open public Zoom link, uh, and what a horrible way if you're a debut author whose debut season has already been ruined by covid to have that be your first event yep anyways i ended up buying her book which is mostly because it has a really nice cover as well so that's coming sometime and then um marco shiro's new book each of us a desert Mm -hmm. is coming out title great title mark coming out this week yeah his other one was good anger is a gift was a good title too yeah um yeah each of us a desert is his newest one and I'm excited about that one. I've, I I wanted to pre-order it a while ago and kind of held out because I wasn't sure where to order it from. And I kind of wanted a signed one. And he finally posted the bookshop to get a signed version. Um, we've also had other books coming in the mail because we like joined a baby pyramid scheme. We did, yeah. Um, I, well, I didn't. You did. One of those... I swear I did this like in high school and you were supposed to like send one pair of flip-flops to someone and you'll get 36 pairs back. And I never got a pair back. Mm-hmm. It's like a chain letter thing. In this case, that actually has worked so far. We've gotten two books for Leo and haven't even sent our book yet. So really we're making out well right now. When mm-hmm. we send our book, we'll probably like break even. Right. But we've gotten some books for him. So that's kind of cool. Yep. Um. I think that's it, and I'm kind of losing my voice from talking this much. Yeah. But I did just have to laugh because the upcoming notes that I made for this, I mm-hmm. wrote Hannah Gadsby, Douglas, May 26th. Yeah. Um, and it is now three and a half months past that, and we've already watched that. I was going to say, we should have mentioned that in uh, in the uh, the theater aspect, I guess. It, was, it had some moments. It's obviously a tough sophomore situation coming off of what... An, interesting and amazing piece of art uh nanette was the best part 
the best parts of Douglas was the art history parts of it. Yeah. Um, I need to ask former guest friend of the show, Jen Rigg, if she watched that. Cause she yeah, has sure, an she, art history I'm sure degree. she has from her, based and on it's the Australian, Australian connection, yeah. Um, the two upcoming things that I have that are still relevant uh-huh. are one of them has to do with Zephron, the Three Men and a Baby remake okay. with Zephron. I have, like, very vague childhood memories. My sister would always have one of those movies on, and I just see Ted Danson doing things in my head. That's the only reason I, I really know who Tom Selleck is. It's not Tom... Tom not Tom Selleck. Yeah, yeah it is Tom yeah, Selleck. right. With the mustache. Yeah, the dentist. Um, the eye doctor. Yeah, another one that my... Oh, yeah, Friends as well. Yeah. But that's another one that my parents liked. So I, I don't know if that movie would hold up now. That one also kind of jumps the shark, because, like, there's a whole, like, money situation that's very strange no idea you don't remember it no like i said i never like saw we'll have the to watch rose. we'll have to watch it sometime because i think it's gonna have throwing that. tennis balls against the wall at the time i think it's gonna have like that 80s thing of like oh kind of a cute movie and they're like what the fuck is, is happening yeah. here um the thing that i always remember from it is like he reads the baby this like very graphic description of a fight yeah um and he, the, and the line is like, it doesn't matter what you read as long as you read it in this voice. Right, right, right. And then he goes back to being like, and then he did a roundhouse kick to his face and knocked out his two front teeth <laughs> and blood went everywhere. Anyways, and a Witcher prequel on Netflix? Uh, I saw it. It's a making of Witcher. Is that oh, what you mean? I thought there was... It's possible they're doing something else, but... I'm not familiar enough with the books in their original polish to know what the timeline is for all of that but um i definitely enjoyed witcher the witcher show a lot more than i enjoyed mandalorian show so yeah i'm not going back for mandalorian i would go back for more witcher lost the prize is that what it's called (laughs) yes All right. What a dumbass fucking rule i'm sure it's based on some sort of real medieval thing oh my god Okay, that was, like, way too much information. Um, I feel like if anyone is still listening, we should, like, give them a prize. So, if you made it this far... Write in, and we'll... Um, the code word is platypus. You know what we should do is we should... I finally went to Cameo.com. Have you heard about Cameo? No. Where you pay for C-list celebrities to, like, do something for you, like to do a voice memo... Sure. ...or to send a text message... So I think we should go on for like 10 cents. We go on there and yeah. people pay us? we're the celebs. I, I don't, there has to be some sort of vetting process. <laughs> I thought you were, I thought you meant that that was going to be the prize for whoever said the code word oh. is we pay for them to get a celebrity Like thing. Kel Mitchell was like the featured person oh. today. That's sad for them. Yeah. Good for Kel though. Okay. Anyways, thank you for listening all the way through if anybody still is. R.I.P. We... Black Panther. Oh, don't even... Didn't even do bad news. Rest in power, Chadwick Boseman. Okay. We... That's how we're going to end this? Yeah. We're going to try and come back a little bit more frequently, but once again, um, please make sure you're also giving equal or more time to black creators who have a different and very worthwhile experience to share, whether they're talking about racism or whether they're just talking about whatever's going on in their life. Um, Make sure you give them a listen and make sure you're still being anti-racist and still wearing your mask and we'll see you next time stay safe adios